Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I've got another great episode for you. And well, you guys, you know, I always kind of like share with you just what's going on. And, you know, I'm sitting here in the Furman Garner studio here at KUAF. Appreciate these guys so much for allowing me to be part of this team here for public radio. There's so many great things happening. And as if you don't know, The I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast comes out on KUAF every Tuesday on Ozarks at Large, both at noon and at 7 p.m. You can catch the replay. So I certainly encourage you to listen to us there. If you aren't already subscribing to the podcast or if somebody just shared this episode with you because they wanted you to listen to it, subscribe to this podcast on every major podcasting platform. You can check us out and we'd love to have you join the I Am Northwest Arkansas community. So there's so many things going on. And so 
today we have a special episode. And this is one of those episodes that takes a while to come together. And I'm looking at my guest and we're smiling because I think we probably broke bread over a year ago at Yayo's and up in Bentonville at the A Street Market. And if you've never been to Yayo's, it's actually one of the top 50 restaurants in the country. And Chef Rafael Reyes is just absolutely amazing at what he does and his food. And so I certainly encourage you to check out Yayo's whenever you get a chance. And if you do go up there, and you want to say hi to Chef, tell them that Randy sent you from I Am Northwest Arkansas. So, But without further ado, because this is not a commercial for Yayos, this is an episode where we're going to dig deep into an organization that's right here in our own backyard that's doing amazing work around the world. And that was one of the reasons why I was intrigued to get them on the podcast, because a lot of times we hyper-focus on just everything that's happening here in Northwest Arkansas. But, you know, Northwest Arkansas is very fertile ground, and it's a great place for organizations to develop and go reach the world, right? And so I think that's what's really important. And so today, my guest is Dave Levon, and Dave is the CEO of LifeWater International. And we have, this has been a long time coming, and I'm excited that we're sitting down today to learn more about Dave and to learn more about LifeWater and their mission. So without further ado, I want to welcome Dave to the podcast. How are you doing? Doing well, Randy. Thanks for having me today. And it has been a long time in coming, so I'm glad to be sitting across from you today. Absolutely. Man, I listen, you know, do not, I would, what does it say? Do not despise small beginnings and some, some things take a while to come together. And so I certainly can appreciate that. But for the uninitiated, for those that are just listening to this, because they know I love to tell great stories, I would love for you just to kind of introduce LifeWater to our audience so they understand what you guys are all about. And I would love for you just to share the beautiful mission that LifeWater is charged with. Thanks, Randy. LifeWater is a Christian nonprofit, and we provide access to water, safe water, sanitation, and hygiene. So think about sanitation toilets, hygiene, menstrual hygiene, hand washing hygiene. And we work in some of the toughest places in the world, typically where there is no access to safe water, where there is open defecation, uh, where there's no hygiene training. And so uh, we're actually a 45-year-old organization. We moved here to Bentonville about three years ago when we we decided to actually open up two offices. So we have a sister headquarters in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Okay. And so headquarters is now global at LifeWater. And as an organization, we operate in four countries and seven programs. So we're in Ethiopia, Uganda, Tanzania, and Cambodia. Wow. So you guys, Ethiopia, Uganda, Tanzania, and Cambodia. So you guys are covering... Africa, and some of Asia. Yes. When, when you think about the, we provide basic access to water, to safe water. And when you think about there are 703 million people who lack basic access to safe water. The good news is three years ago, that number was 771 million. So the, the, it is going down, but there's still way too many people. And the vast majority <laughs> of those people live in sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. That's a huge number, 703 million. And I I'm sorry for the cough. I'm just, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, that is a little less than 10% of the population of the planet. Yes. When you think about it. Yes. And that's that's those who lack basic access to water. There's about a billion and a half people who don't have improved sanitation. So yeah. either there's open defecation or, or some semblance of sanitation, but not to the level uh, that they need to live healthy. So then where did LifeWater come from before you guys domiciled here in Northwest Arkansas? Uh, LifeWater was founded in 1978 by a man um, 
His heart was just for bringing safe water. At that point, many more people had lacked basic access. And so the organization worked out of San Luis Obispo, California for its first 45 years. Okay. And then you you, uh, relocated it here. We we relocated here. uh, It was more central to the U.S., And then also, we at the same time decided to open our international headquarters in Addis Ababa. And so we looked really hard at what roles, what jobs should actually be closer to the action. And so at that point, about we went from having zero headquarters people that were non-U.S. citizens to about 40% over the last two and a half years. Wow. So you guys have been expanding. We have, and we've really looked at uh, truly being global, uh, not just being international because we're in five countries, but truly looking how do we empower 170 people in very remote parts of the countries that we're in, and how do we connect those people? How do we create capacity for our team? And so that's really been our mission over the last, I would say, two and a half years to really create a solid base so that we can, again, begin to exponentially grow. Yeah. So then how how did you find yourself at LifeWater? Was this just a dream of yours, this role? Well, it, I spent most of my career in the for-profit world. Okay. Uh, I worked for large companies like PwC and Kraft. I started a consulting company and a software company for a while. And uh, actually then I led a transformation team at Walmart. But always in the back of my mind, I wanted to work for a nonprofit. That was probably instilled in me by my grandma when I was a kid. <laughs> just how important helping children is. And so I actually met LifeWater as I was figuring out how to exit myself from the company that had started, which is not as easy as it seems. Yeah. And so I started working with my church and we created kind of a fund on raise, we're in an affluent suburb in Chicago, Uh trying to raise funds outside the church budget that where we could go deeper with five or six organizations. It's called Serve the World. Okay. And so through that, I got to meet a wonderful nonprofits literally all over the world. And since I had time on my hands, I went to northern Nigeria to look at an AIDS organization. I went to Ukraine. I went to different places to actually see the work that was being done. And it happened to be LifeWater was one of those organizations that we we ended up supporting. They applied for one of the applica- or for one of the scholarships, and so we worked together. And I just fell in love with the organization. Very holistic. Takes a long time walking with a community, so you can have sustainable transformation, not mm-hmm. a quick hit. And so I actually we worked through that, and then I joined the board several years later. And then after I'd moved here to Northwest Arkansas, I worked for Walmart for three years, and at that point, a position. The chief operating officer position at LifeWater became open and that it just seemed to be the right fit and the right time. Man, you know, I love stories like that, right? Because again, it's you probably if I were to have pressed you maybe 15 or 20 years ago, would you have thought you would have been here in northwest Arkansas as a base going all over the world trying to provide clean water to people? No, I would have never guessed that. In <laughs> fact, I this was my second go around with Northwest Arkansas. I actually came here from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I grew up, to go to college at JBU over Did in Salem really? Springs. Yes. Okay. And so you've seen the changes here. I have seen the changes. <laughs> and I would have never guessed I would have been in Arkansas at that time either. Right. But I, I came in 1983, graduated in 87. My wife and I, she's Springdale High, go Bulldogs uh, <laughs> alumni. And we married and we moved to Chicago. We were there 30 years. Never envisioned leaving. Yeah. Uh, and yes. So yes, it's been really exciting. I would say, you know, I have plans for my life. God has better plans for my life. Oh, absolutely. And in every, every turn of situation, there's things that have happened and opportunities that I've had 
taken advantage of that have really guided me in a direction I would have never guessed. But it's been a great, a great journey. And it's so wonderful to be back in Northwest Arkansas these past six years. And then yeah. to be able to see our headquarters for LifeWater flourish here and in Addis Ababa. Sure. Absolutely. What would you say, and, and I'm just, just, just since we were on this topic, what would you say is the biggest change that you recognize since being back here in Northwest Arkansas? Wow. So I never actually came to Bentonville the first time because there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't really anything, anything to see in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> I know there was a great company up there, but there sure. was nothing to go see. And so I'd never actually set foot in Bentonville. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Rogers was kind of an exit off of the <laughs> off of seventy one. I think there yeah. were maybe three thousand people lived in Rogers at the time. So Fayetteville was where we went for a, a good time, you know, for a restaurant or a movie or whatever. So just the whole infrastructure of Northwest Arkansas, but very well thought out, mm -hmm. very planned. Yep. And so the restaurants that you mentioned, Yeo's, the amount of restaurants, the amount of amenities here, the art scene is phenomenal. And then mountain biking. I mean, who knew that in my 50s, I decided to become a mountain biker, but how can you not when you're in Northwest Arkansas? It's hard to ignore. And I, I'm not a big mountain biker. I'm a road guy, although I have been known to be a sweeper for my kids when they're out at some of their NICA events and, and shout out to the local NICA teams because it really does impact the young people of this area in terms of just creating, you know, helping them to be better athletes, but just, you know, better teammates. And, you know, there's just so much beauty. What better way for you to take it in than on two wheels, right? Whether it is a mountain bike or whether it is a road bike, there's so much that you can see and do in this area. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And I know, so I've spent time in Centennial. I've spent, spent a little bit of time at Slaughter Pen and some of the others. But I, because I don't have a mountain bike, I have to use my kids. And one of them is almost my size, but because I'm tall, I, you know, I prefer to be properly sized with the bike because you don't want to be riding on a, a BMX bike on the, uh, the trails there. So, you know, but it's been a lot of fun. And, and I would tell anyone listening that's thinking about moving to Northwest Arkansas, if you already live here, but you haven't quite gravitated towards the bike scene, I think there's something for everyone. Am I right about that? Absolutely. My, my wife and I like to go on Sundays to, we'll ride our bikes to Rogers or ride our bikes to Bella Vista and just to go have lunch yeah, or have coffee. Absolutely. And there's so many paved trails. We take our road bikes for those trips, but there's so many paved trails, just kind of getting out. And like you said, the beauty, there's so much beauty here to be discovered. And I feel like even with all the riding we've been doing, there's still so much more out there, just hundreds of miles of trails and paths. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to learn, and I know I'm sure the audience would like to have a better understanding about on the ground. Uh, where when LifeWater is engaging with the communities that you're serving around the world, what does that look like on the ground? You come into a, a location that maybe has challenges when it comes to having water that they can use, and you just don't realize how important water is. And we waste, we we collectively Americans and, and other industrialized nations waste a lot of water. I mean, way more than most people ever even come in contact with. So I'm curious to know, what is it like on the ground? Help us understand what you experience and see as a LifeWater representative and how LifeWater is able to even address some of those most basic needs in order to help communities sustain themselves. Yeah, that's a, that is a great question. So kind of making it real for everyone. So the first thing I'll say is I'll use Tanzania as an example. 
when I was still on the Life Order Board, we actually went to scope out an area where we could work, where we thought there was a, a need. And so what you'll see in areas where we have not worked is you will see primarily women and children taking jerry cans and going to ponds. And you'll see animals defecating in the pond. You'll see It's a kind of a gross pond. And that's in the rainy season. In the dry season, that pond dries up and they're trying to dig into little holes in that area to find water. Yeah. And so typically that's an area where we will go to begin our work. The other thing that's interesting is, first of all, I go quite a bit to visit with our teams and to work with our teams. And what I find is people are people. Yeah. You know, it's just families trying to do their best for their kids. In fact, biking, I tell our team all the time, there's tons of bikes in Tanzania. What is amazing is that women will use a bike, they'll have like two or three or even four of these 50-pound jerry cans, and they'll figure out how to ride their bike with them on the jerry cans. Others will walk with them on their heads, but people are people. So we're just coming alongside. We'll bring in a team typically from the larger cities. They may be engineers. They may be behavioral change specialists, and they will actually move to that area, and they will work with that team. And it's really a three-year process. This is not about dropping a well. Actually, if you do that, there's about 50,000 abandoned wells in East Africa because it's a quick fix. It's not a superhero mission for us to go put our capes on, but it's for our teams to walk alongside a community and help them change, give them the tools and capacity to change. So our teams will walk along for three years with the community. We will go home to home. So we'll raise up leaders in the community from the community leaders, church leaders, people who are already active and and solid leaders, and we will train them. They'll help us then go house to house. Each house has seven things that they need to do to become a healthy home, including digging a pit latrine, hand washing stations, things like that, Yeah, which is a big deal for the the people in those communities. It's behavior change and there's an investment to do this. And so our teams will walk alongside as homes become healthy. We will typically get over about 90% healthy homes. And then we will actually we'll get close to 100 in most cases. But once we get to that 70, 80 mark, we start working also with the churches, really getting the churches together. In Tanzania, we worked with one partner, and then they went and brought in, uh, I think, 41 churches, 11 denominations together and said, guys, we need to work on our community. So really helping the churches in the community to focus on their community. And then also the communities themselves will put in labor. They'll help us dig trench and things. And while we're doing that, we're designing our water system as well. And then we're also going into the schools and we're uh, raising up a student group. And that student group will help promote water sanitation and hygiene practices to Mm -hmm. students, they are some of the biggest change makers in the community. And so we'll go and help build latrines. Those are the latrines we build that will be at the schools. Sure. And we'll build changing rooms. Typically, the schools don't have enough latrines. Menstruation is seen as taboo. Girls miss just thousands of days of school because of that. And so we'll kind of, we'll work with the community. We'll work with the school We'll train them that this is normal. This is a time to come together and help. And so we'll see massive change even in the understanding of various health issues in a community. And so we'll work alongside schools, government, churches, and we'll help them all become healthier. And then we'll work with the local government to figure out what's the right water solution. Sometimes it's a, a well or a borehole. Other times it's some kind of a sophisticated pipe, more than not, a sophisticated pipe system. You know, I'm wondering, and I was listening to something about the building of 
certain technologies, right? And you kind of talk about how the Romans had sewer systems and, you know, they were pretty advanced, right? And so it's like, how come we have not been able to replicate that in other parts of the world and in some places that really need it? And I know Africa, I'm always interested when I see, I've, I've spent time in, on the mission field in Africa and Botswana and Zimbabwe and South Africa, and it's been a tremendous experience. And I would encourage anybody listening to this that has an opportunity to do anything beyond a safari. I think a safari is great, but I mean, when you actually get with the people and you see how the other half lives, if you will, it does give you a greater appreciation for life. It gives you a greater appreciation for what you have right in front of you. But I also think it causes you to realize that in the the short time that we have here on earth, we need to impact as many people as we can, right? And one way to do that is, is to go help others live their best life, if you will. And so you guys are doing that at Life Water because, I mean, water is life, no pun intended, right? So, or pun intended, I mean, it is, it's what it is. I mean, so we need to be able to take advantage of that. Are you surprised by the support that you receive on the ground in the, in the countries that you're in? And do you find that, I mean, it seems like you should be in more countries. Hmm. The need is great. And with the program that we have, we, and, and because of the time that we take, and we do that for a reason, because people aren't, it's, it's behavior change. And yeah. people are not going to have sustainable change if, if they don't take the time to investigate the why. Why are we doing this? And some of the how, here's tools. So I am always surprised and amazed by the teams that we bring together. I mean, we've got a team in Nensebo, Ethiopia. You can't even get there on the main roads during the rainy season. The roads wash out. They take motorbikes up the mountains. They all live in bigger cities. You know, they've all worked hard to get their degrees in engineering and different things. And they volunteer to leave, say, Addis Ababa and move eight hours away to walk alongside people where there is not safe water, there is not sanitation, there's not hygiene practices. So they're moving into that environment to walk alongside communities and help them change. So I'm always blown away and amazed by our teams that are in country. Like our job is to just to help them develop, the, give them the capacity, the tools they need so they can go and do what they do. They're the rock stars of life water. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's, that's interesting. Do you guys get together with the whole team? Does, how does the company organize or get together so that, because I would imagine that I know how it is when I'm doing something, I need as much encouragement as I can get, right? So it's just the reality. How do you kind of bring the troops together and encourage each other? Because it's a yeoman's task that you are, are impressed with. And so it's like, man, I would need encouragement every day getting out of bed to do what you guys do on a regular basis. Well, that is a great question. Actually, uh, two and a half years ago, we sat down as an organization. We did SWOT analysis with all 170 people. We talked about what are the greatest needs and what do we see as the greatest needs going forward. And we came up with a more inward focused strategic plan. And we said, for the next couple of years, let's build the base. And so two of the main points we did is let's truly be global. Let's truly empower and create opportunity for every employee, no matter where they are. And the second was, let's build a life-giving culture. I think sometimes nonprofits run the risk of, because the cause is so great, that it's okay to burn people out along the way. Yeah. And so how do we enrich our teams? And so with those two themes, we moved forward. I think in 22, we launched five software products. We launched wow. Asana so that our 
engineering projects can globally be, they're transparent. So all of our engineers, whether you're working in Cambodia or Ethiopia, and our, our engineering is headquartered at our Ethiopia office. So all those engineers can collaborate on projects. And so every project is in there. There's accountability there, transparency, collaboration. And what we've seen is that product alone has helped our projects get better. Yeah. Because instead of this hierarchical, top-down, telling people you have to do this, you have to do this, they can actually look at what their colleagues are doing and they can compare notes and best practices. And so we did that. We have a Bamboo HR product we put in place so that every quarter we take pulse surveys on engagement, on how are people feeling valued. And we can track that by position. We can track that by work area or by country. And so because of that, again, the scores are, are great to hear, but it's the comments that make a lot of sense and allow us to build strategies with our global HR team. And again, each country is a little different, but they share best practices. We are all in one financial system where there's openness to each country seeing what's going on in every country. And again, to learn from each other. Yeah. And so we just, how we collect data in the field, we're very data driven. So we've got a tool called MWater where we check out before we come to an area, what are the prevalence of diarrhea? How long are the walks to water? How much income is spent on the doctors? And we check out a bunch of different fields. And then three years later, we measure it. But we do it with a tool. Yeah. So the people in the field can measure and they can see the result they're having. And they can see what their colleagues in another country are doing and what we collectively are doing. And so we've really invested in tools that help build collaboration, that help build transparency in the organization. And then we've tried to get people together in sure. meaningful ways. We have several times... We have had the whole organization, which is pretty tricky to get everybody on the same <laughs> Zoom call or Google Meet call, but we've done that and uh, actually we do it annually. And then just trying to get collaboration between like Ethiopia and Cambodia, where maybe in the past there wouldn't have been that collaboration, seeing how they share ideas. Yeah. Um, so it's really, really being intentional though, and, and we're having to plan that ahead. I love that. Well, and you answered my question because I was going to ask you about how do you measure the impact that Life Water is having? But clearly, you answered that with the Lim Water. Is it M Water is the M-water. tool we use? M Water. We also tool. have uh, we have live dashboards, so okay. we measure healthy homes, we measure water points, we measure graduates of our program after three years, and so basically, as people are inputting data, it's being reviewed, analyzed, and sent right to our dashboard, so we can see here's the the impact that we're having collectively as an organization. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That that sounds like I mean it's it has to be fulfilling for everybody that's there. I mean, and that's working on it both here in the states as well as there and your locations. How do you manage the leadership part of this process? I mean, in terms of this type of organization where people are everywhere. You recently had a bike accident which we talked about offline, but that kind of kept you out of the loop for a while, but it sounds like you guys haven't missed a beat and you keep moving forward. So how do you, and this is the question I'm sure some people want to know, right? Because we all, everybody's looking for leadership lessons, but how do you, Dave, develop or allow that whole leadership piece to pervade everywhere, not just at the home office, but throughout the organization of LifeWater? Absolutely. That's actually a question I get asked sometimes when I'm in the field with a team, <laughs> you know, because we've made it clear that We want people to discover their God-given talents and abilities. And then we as an organization want to help them grow in those areas. 
And so it's increasing the conversations between managers and the staff that they're leading, leaders and the people that they're leading, and then figuring out what tools do they need to get to that next step. And what is that next step? Yeah. You know, do they want more of a headquarters job? Do they want more of a field job? Do they like designing engineering projects or do they like implementing more or do they like both? And so we devote time in our organization and rhythms where there are regular communications between leaders and the people that are leading it to talk about these things yeah, and then to create tools. And then we also spend time connecting. I have made, I think I've got five or six, probably more than that, trips to meet with leaders. Uh, I'll be in October. We bring all of our country director team together to Ethiopia and our engineering leaders and several other leaders. And we just talk about the plans for the year. That's the other thing. We plan a lot. Yeah. We plan like what are the priorities? And we as an organization get all of our country leaders together to plan out where does that next program go? Does mm -hmm. it go in Tanzania? Does it go in Ethiopia? What makes sense? And to prioritize, because each country's got new programs they want to do, but where does it make sense to go next? Yeah. Wow. As I'm sitting here listening to you talk, it's like, it's almost as if you were perfectly set up for this opportunity, right? I mean, PwC, Kraft, Walmart, I mean, you've cut your teeth with some very big organizations and not just organizations, but organizations that really, to the very smallest detail, take pride in, in the efforts that they put in to achieve whatever objectives that they're, they're achieving, you've been able to leverage that skill set, that training, and have now transformed it into what you're doing at LifeWater. I mean, did you expect to be in this particular place right now doing that that way? No, that's a great shout out. And I think I am grateful to every one of those organizations and every one of those experiences because they're all a base to build and to learn and grow. So as an individual, I was, I've been blessed with opportunities to grow and be stretched in many ways. No, after I uh, sold the consulting firm in Chicago, I did not plan on, I plan on going into nonprofit <laughs> and through a colleague, I, I heard about an opportunity at uh, Walmart to lead the transition of a team. And uh, that appealed to me. And, uh, and basically, I, when I told my wife all of the factors that came into play, she said, well, are you waiting for God to write that in the sky <laughs> for us? It sounds like that's where we're supposed to be. Exactly. And I often wondered why that gap, you know, because that's not a traditional path to go from, usually you go from big company to small. But wow, what an opportunity over the three years to see things at a scale beyond any scale anywhere else that you could see to work with incredible people. I had the opportunity to lead a technology team for a while and, a, and some strategy folks and just really looking at how do we make a change with systems and tools. And so that experience is just, was absolutely amazing. Actually during COVID, because I became the CEO, I joined in 19 and I became the CEO in April of 2020, possibly the worst month <laughs> ever in the history to yes. become the CEO of a nonprofit. Uh, right. But as things- That's called know, a baptism by fire, so. <laughs> absolutely. But for me, it was really clear, even that experience at Walmart and how that had prepared me for a very tumultuous few months, it gave me perspective to look at things and it also gave me tools and people to call. Yeah. To say, hey, we need to connect and this isn't, you know, we can't travel now. We can't even get our teams out to the workplaces now. How, you know, what are some of the things we can do? So I'm blessed. I'm excited, grateful for all of those opportunities that I've had. Yeah. 
so, I mean, again, you guys have, you have done and are doing so much. What are the future plans of Life Water? I want, I want people that are listening to this because I know that somebody is saying, man, how do I get involved with Life Water, with the mission? I like the mission and vision and values of Life Water and what they're about. And that's actually something that I'm looking to be a part of. But before you answer that question, I would love to know what are the future plans? Whatever you can share that's publicly available, share with us what your hopes and dreams are for LifeWater in the next three to five to seven years. I mean, what are you hoping to achieve or accomplish? Well, I would love to see us truly scale. Everybody talks about wanting to scale, but two and a half years ago, when we sat down and looked at our strategic plan, we said, what do we need to do to be able to scale? So all those systems I talked about, opening a corporate headquarters, in Addis, raising up leaders globally, figuring out how we connect people, getting our engineering team together globally. All of those things were to support exponential growth. So we're in four countries. Right now today, we could and we plan to double the amount of programs we have. And we don't have to create a whole new base for that. We're at a really good position now over the past two years of building that base as an organization. Answering the question, where's the organization going to be? Our products are super sustainable. We see life change that sticks. So as an organization, let's be prepared so that as we grow, as we continue to grow, and as we ratchet that up, we're doing that in a healthy way where we're basically serving more people more effectively. Okay. I got you. And then anybody listening that's listening to what you're sharing today, and it's like, you know, they're raising their hand as they're listening to this. Hey, Dave, sign me up. What can I do? How can people both locally here in Northwest Arkansas, as well as anywhere else that might listen to this, you know, how can they get involved with LifeWater? That is a great question. We could use all of you to get involved. I think I would start by saying, make yourself aware of the uh, world water crisis that is out there. I think Mm -hmm. when I talk to people, they're always shocked to find out there's 700 million people that don't have basic access to water. And Randy, that basic access isn't like turning a faucet on. That means Basic access defined is you can walk, gather water from a safe source, and be back home in 30 minutes. Yeah. So it's not like we think of basic access. And so 700 million people don't have that. So educating yourself that we have lots of materials on that, but just coming to understanding, it kind of breaks my heart every time I go, and I go often, Mm -hmm. just to see the places where we haven't gotten yet, and to see the people in need and understand that they've got dreams There are women that want to start businesses there, but they can't because they're taking care of sick kids. They're walking three hours to get water. There are kids who are sick. Every two minutes, a child dies of waterborne disease. The statistics are astounding, actually. Uh, It's crazy. And those are all preventable through proper water sanitation and hygiene. So just familiarizing yourself with what is going on. There's various ways to get involved with the organization financially. If there's an affinity that people like, if it's really, you know, my heart is for children, Mm -hmm. that safe water helps provide children a different trajectory. If safe water empowers women, every time we leave an area after three years, there's probably at least two or three new women-owned businesses. Safe water promotes education. Kids can't go to school when they're sick. And so schools are full when we leave. The economy of the communities grows. So whatever your motivation is, there's a way to connect to safe water. It's kind of a basic need. So get involved with that. We've got events here in Northwest Arkansas. I know the Square to Square ride in October, we're uh, trying to raise up multiple teams okay. to help promote, to raise money for life water and to help promote 
the activities that we do and specifically with Tanzania, one biking community to another. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's ways to get involved. If people want to see the work that we do, we plan multiple trips a year where we take people over to see the work. So there's ways to get involved at various levels. And there's ways to volunteer. Our marketing team and our uh, events team is always looking for volunteers for First Fridays. Uh, We'll be up at the square this Friday at the Bentonville First Friday. So just ways to help us spread awareness and raise support for the projects that we have and the new ones that we want to start. Well, yeah, we'll highlight this because, I mean, again, this is an evergreen episode that that should stand the test of time and that people will listen to this even a year or two from now and say, man, I want to be a part of what that guy Dave is talking about. Um, What is the website address? Uh, Lifewater.org. Okay, lifewater.org. And we'll put all of that in the show notes so everybody has a chance to kind of connect with you guys and learn more about you. And and we're really going to put a full court press on when we put this episode out so that that we can reach the widest audience possible. And then, of course, we'll give you the capabilities of sharing it online yourself, because, again, I think one of the one of the biggest challenges I think any business faces is telling their story. Right. And 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 you. A, you want to get it right <laughs> and you want to make sure as many ears and as many eyes can see and hear that story as possible. So uh, I think that's important. But, man, I, I am just uh, I'm, I'm thankful that that you um, found this place uh, to to land with your skill set and abilities, because I believe it's not a mistake that you where you that you are where you are. Uh, as a leader and 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 for this organization. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the future, um, how God will move through life water. Right. And so, I mean, water is the very essence of what we need to survive without it. I mean, we have problems. Right. And so uh, I think it's I think it's important for us to it's it's one of the reasons why everybody's like, you know, kind of bent out of shape trying to figure out if there's if there's water on Mars or water on the dark side of the moon. Why do we mm-hmm. why are we so concerned about water? Well, because we need it to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 it's, I know everybody wants to explore other galaxies, but we got places right in our own backyard that need water just as badly. And we need to figure out ways to develop that. And you guys at LifeWater, Dave, are doing that. So thank you very much for the time and effort that you're putting in. It's not just a non I mean, you, this is a mission and you guys are fulfilling that mission on a daily basis. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And any last second plug that you'd like to make before we close out? Randy, just thanks for having us on the show. We're so grateful to you. We feel really blessed and welcomed here in Northwest Arkansas. We are on, uh, we're right downtown Bentonville, and just the welcome that we have felt from different community members and businesses and churches and clubs and biking organizations has been tremendous. And so we just, I'm really grateful to be here and the organization. If you ever want to stop in and see us, we're on 4th and Main in uh, Bentonville. We'd yeah, love you're to. not far from the ledger. No, we're yeah. right down the block. Right, and right. so if you're going to go see that cool building, come a right. couple doors come down and visit us and we'll tell you all about LifeWater and we'll introduce you to some of the really cool people doing this amazing work. And I would encourage everybody listening to this to take Dave up on his offer and visit LifeWater and visit the team and see what they're doing. And again, there are a lot of great things happening in Northwest Arkansas for Northwest Arkansas. But there's also a lot of great things happening in Northwest Arkansas for the rest of the world. And so LifeWater is certainly a perfect example of that. So we, we really appreciate you coming on today, Dave. And thank you so much. And if there's anything that we can do with our platform 
to get the word out about anything, do not hesitate to reach out. Let us know. We'll be happy to shout it from the rooftops. Thank you, Randy. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. I hope you enjoyed this. As always, I love sitting down with some of the amazing people that make Northwest Arkansas as special as it is. And Dave is certainly no exception, especially what he and the rest of the team at LifeWater International are doing. I certainly encourage you to check it out. LifeWater.org, just an amazing organization. And if if you were moved by this episode, I want to challenge you to get involved with what they're doing. Reach out to them. All the information that you need will be on the show notes. And again, this is going to be one of those long-term episodes where you can come back to it a year or two later and see and just, you know, connect with LifeWater and find out all the advancements that they've made in, in such a short period of time. So thank you guys so much for indulging me with this episode. Remember, our episode is featured on Ozarks at Large every Tuesday at 12 noon, and then the replay is at 7 p.m. So we encourage you to check us out, and they will typically play uh, something from our archives or maybe that weekly episode. You'll get a nice segment of that featured on Ozarks at Large. So shout out to Kyle Kellums and the rest of the KUAF team, and we're honored to partner with them and, and National Public Radio. So that's all I have for you today for this episode. Remember, you can find us online at IamNorthwestArkansas.com. Remember, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.